So the basic premise of this practice is that the mind and the body are constantly throwing up images or uh, sensations and there's a particular quality of mind that can at any given time be aware of present moment experience. When we do this practice, we also see that there's a lot of time that we uh, spend not being aware. And we, the practice shows us this very clearly as we choose an anchor or object become the focus of our attention and as a result of doing this we notice occasionally that we're not focused on that object we're not seeing the breath or we're not seeing the or feeling directly the hands touching the legs or we're not in touch with the whole body And when this is true, we often also notice that we're caught up in thinking. And the practice has a natural way of giving us some uh, information about the thinking mind. And one of the things that is revealed is that we're often thinking about the past or about the future. We're experiencing thoughts that are very pleasant these could be fantasies or uh, entertainment uh, of some kind or certain thoughts like worry and fear and self-doubt uh, are you know, uh, simply unpleasant. They have this basic quality of not feeling good and this uh, results in additional uh, mental afflictions uh, or uh, contraction or tightness in the body so that the body doesn't feel comfortable or at ease. The four foundations of mindfulness, which we explored together tonight, create uh, an opportunity, a structured opportunity, to understand how the mind works. And the system has us, at the beginning of practice, focusing on the body. And this can be done by focusing on the breath, or by focusing on sensation. Tonight, of course, I didn't say very much about breath and talked quite a lot about sensation, right? So, <clears throat> it's important to know, you know, yoga is very popular, and there's a lot of talk about the breath in yoga, and even through the meditation tradition, we tend to uh, present breath as a early uh, and reliable anchor for meditation, but it's not the only anchor. So sometimes I like to leave it out intentionally, just so that we know that there are other anchors, and that really we can focus or concentrate the mind on any aspect of experience. So after we had spent a little bit of time uh, bringing our attention to a specific aspect of bodily experience, which tonight was touch or contact, the place where the hands are resting on the legs, I invited you to bring your attention to the whole body. So when we do this, of course, uh, it's like we're, we're doing something like this, where we're opening the attention 
really to just see more of experience. So, you know, if I put my hands back on my legs to create, an, you know, so that you have a visual now, my attention was, was in this area. It was around my knee and around my hand, right? So then the instructions were encouraging us to, to notice, you know, maybe the feet or the legs or the hips, the torso, shoulders, head, any part of the body, and to just be open to direct experience of sensation anywhere. This could be heat or coolness or tingling or further pressure. Could be just feeling the weight of the body and I, I used that example in my instructions a few times, like actually just feeling gravity, the natural pull or weightedness of the body downward. Pressure of the hips making contact with the cushion. So we're just, we're just in all of these uh, encounters with the body, we're trying to get in tune with or in touch with present moment experience. And then after that, I, I talked a little bit about keeping our attention on the body, but opening even more to the possibility of recognizing that the body is sometimes pleasant and the body is sometimes unpleasant. And also when neither of these uh, polar opposites are, are uh, available, we might notice or feel that the body is neutral. It's not distinctly pleasant or unpleasant. So again, it's just another level or aspect of experience to become aware of. Toward the end, I added to the instructions to note or label emotions. If you, and we don't have to, again, we don't have to work hard at this, but if you notice an emotion, you can label that, you know, fear or sadness or boredom or, or restlessness. Uh, these, are, these are attitudes and emotions of the mind. And I talked about this labeling at every stage of the practice, right at the beginning. If you're noticing uh, toward the beginning, touch, and the mind drifts off and you get caught up in thinking, to just say, thinking, or thought, and just to really acknowledge that the mind is currently distracted, right? Okay, and coming back. And then there was the possibility of noting pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, and then also noting emotions. So this is... It is something we're doing. It's, it's, a, it's an added acknowledgement. Now, the mind is already aware. If, the, if, if we can label, the mind is already aware that there is an emotion, right? There's just a little... It's like a little internal nod of recognition. Thinking. Unpleasant. Like really becoming acutely aware of what's happening in each moment. And then toward the end, I invited you to come back to the body, just notice the whole body again. Let go of the labeling. Opportunity there to see what is it like when you're labeling and what is it like, what does it feel like when you drop the labeling and just let the attention be open.
the value of noticing pleasant and unpleasant uh, is connected to the, which is the second foundation, the value of, of noticing that requires some understanding of the third foundation, which is where the mind is caught up in wanting and not wanting. And I did uh, point you uh, toward the possibility of seeing that also. I, I had first mentioned emotions, and then I said, you know, you might also notice that the mind sometimes is caught up in pushing experience away. There's a, there's a quality <coughs> Bless you. There's a quality of not wanting, right? Usually when something is unpleasant, right? That's the second foundation. Or often the mind is caught up in wanting something. That's when there's, there's something pleasant occurring in the present moment. Or we want something pleasant, so we're thinking about it. And so the mind gets caught up in wanting. And, and the tradition tells us that this is really where uh, what is uh, often described as suffering, the Pali word is dukkha, originates from. The, the instability of mind essentially is the cause of this dukkha, the first noble truth. Right? And its function, uh, wanting and not wanting, its function is to really pull us out of the present moment. And you know, you might be seeing in your meditation practice that in the absence of wanting or not wanting, what, what I often refer to as pushing and pulling at experience, trying to make something and trying to push or, or trying to push something else away. We notice that when this when these two forces are not occurring, the mind feels more quiet and stable. The mind feels more at rest. Right? So we we're not supposed to get this theoretically. We're supposed to experientially notice the difference over time through our practice between a mind that's grasping and a mind that is just receiving experience just as it is. Very different uh, quality of mind. Very different quality in the body. The, the body will be quite at ease. Right? And, and even actually sometimes in pain, but without wanting or not wanting. And then there's equanimity with pain. There's a stable mind with what is undesirable. So that's really what we're going for in, in the practice because uh, really the external conditions of life aren't going to change very much. I mean, we might get a new job, we might move, we might heal a health crisis, but then another health challenge might show up. Uh, things might be really good in a particular relationship and easy and fun, but then something happens and that relationship offers some stress. You know, so things are always things are always changing and they're not very predictable fundamentally. So you know we talk a lot about the alleviation of suffering. Of course the third noble truth is cessation, the alleviation of, of, of suffering and it's the teaching is referring to the possibility of adapting to life in a way that's skillful enough that we're not adding uh, extra tension, extra stress, extra worry, extra emotional, uh, emotionally afflictive states on top of the normal discomforts of life that with an equanimous mind actually feel fairly mundane 
and we are in response to fairly resilient. There's really, uh, there's not too much to get caught up in, essentially, even though life is not presenting always what we want. about the alleviation of suffering. But again, we're seeing that conditions outside of ourselves are almost always, not always, but with uh, some consistency, uh, revealing something that's difficult or unwanted, etc. So it's, it's not that we're uh, alleviating all discomfort, all suffering. Rather, it's with any finality, but rather we're learning how to be with the natural discomfort or suffering of life uh, in a way that actually starts to, we start to relax around all aspects of life. So the reduction of suffering really has to do with the reduction of the aspect of suffering that we're adding in response to life uh, to the natural movements of life. Right? So we could say that uh, what we're actually changing is our internal response to life, not external conditions very much. Right? But then, you know, it's very interesting, but then the external environment uh, does, according to our perception, start to shift. It's actually not that hard. It's not as hard as it used to be. It's not as confusing as it used to be. Right? Because we're internally, we're much better regulated, so we're not disrupted so easily. Right? There's resilience, there's patience, there's calm. There's ability to see uh, the inevitability, if you will, of difficulty, and so we don't get worked up. We get worked up much less. Right? And so even though we have to tend to things on an ongoing basis and make decisions and even resolve difficult uh, scenarios, uh, we can do that uh, from a place of uh, perspective, clarity, groundedness, etc. So again, you know, in short, the four foundations of mindfulness are both a map of experience, body, feelings, and mind, and also uh, a way to help us recognize uh, the kinds of experiences that are going to happen uh, so that we can uh, deliberately turn our mind toward them, right? And the labeling is actually a system to help do that. Well, I hope that's helpful. Uh, just a few uh, comments on the four foundation 